This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. Last week, you know, I'm a, I'm a uh, you know, former high school teacher, for those of you who don't know, and there, there's some sermons that I think, some things that people say, and I feel like, boy, if I could make that required, I would. And one of the ones I would make required was what Scarlett offered last week. It truly was amazing. We've been blessed with many, many incredible speakers here at New Church Live. And some of you experienced was one of the best things I think that we've done here as a church. Because it was talking about something, choosing love, that's so important. And it's not just a nostalgic thing. It actually takes courage. It actually takes work. And as I noted, for those of you who weren't here last week, uh, you know, one of the things that really sold me on her message was when we were exchanging emails back and forth, and, and all her emails are signed, choosing love. That's how important this topic is to her, despite all the loss, incredibly heartbreaking loss in her life. New Church, we believe in this. We believe that life constantly fills with what Emmanuel Swedenborg called contrasting opposites. That this happens and this happens. We're constantly in that confrontation between the two. And bad stuff happens because people are free to do bad things. I mean, it's that, it's that simple. And what God does is he says those moments will happen. And we're always faced with a choice in those moments. It was no small irony, I don't think, that literally as we left this service... That in Texas, this was happening. Somebody making the exact opposite decision. Somebody making decisions that were not based on choosing love, but that were based on choosing fear and hate and vengeance. All those things. Clearly the lower parts of human nature. And we have these two. You know, again, she talked about the two wolves. Like, there it is. There it is. Which wolf are we going to feed? One of the things, too, that struck me that she talked about that I think has very clear implications for us here as a church was later on in the Q&A session. She talked about this difference, and I'd never, ever heard of this before. Raise your hand. Are you familiar with the term PTSD or PTS? We all familiar with that? PTSD? Sometimes it's called PTSD today. Post-traumatic stress disorder or post-traumatic stress. And she said there's this whole other field of study. This whole other field of study. And it's called PTG. Remember this? What does PTG stand for? Anybody who is out there can shout it. Post-traumatic growth. It was interesting, right? Like who thinks of there being such a thing as post-traumatic growth. And when we were talking about this on Sermon Writing Team, somebody said, well, PTSD, it's kind of like a, like a spike. Like it's, it's like all of a sudden we hit an event and it spikes. You know, a full body reaction, a memory to something really traumatic in our lives, there's like a spike. But PTG, it's far more organic. Far more like somebody said, and I love this, instead of a spike, it's like a heartbeat. This part of life where it just keeps moving. I was thinking about this. this uh, it's a simple question, and it's one, again, we're going to come back to it at New Church Live because I thought it was so good. 
Don't worry about the, you, the words you use. Just find the sentence that you know most to be true and write that sentence. Like there's something to think about. What would that sentence be? And I bet you that sentence somehow would come back to post-traumatic growth. You want to know what my sentence is? <laughs> my sentence is life is good. I don't know a lot. Not very bright. But I do know that life is good. So we move forward. We try to find these PTG, post-traumatic growth things. And there's, there's questions we can ask ourselves that, that start to pull us towards answers. I loved this one. I just thought this is a beautiful way to do it. What is the struggle right now? I mean, just imagine, you know, asking your loved ones on this on the way back home after church today. Yeah, tell me, what are you struggling with today? What's the struggle? And then this question, what am I learning? Or in a group, what are we learning? Those two that come together. When we can do that, it can start to sort of shift our focus around to post-traumatic growth. What that looks like. And the idea, folks, that with post-traumatic growth, I want to be clear about this. I think it's a beautiful part. This is what God is doing. This is God's work. God's work is always post-traumatic growth. In the new church, we use the phrase divine providence. Or if you're around somebody who's been in the new church forever, they'll just sometimes shorthand it and go DP. That's divine providence. That there's always this stream, always this stream, that's doing the best it can, even in incredibly hard and broken circumstances, to bring at least something good out of it, some piece of light, some piece of love, some piece of heaven. Could I get an amen on that one? We can see that and we sense that. People like Scarlet know that. And they know it deeply. They know it down to their core. So what actually is PTG? Well, it's got five parts to it. It's a sense that new opportunities have emerged from the struggle, opening up possibilities that were not present before. A change in relationships with others. Some people experience closer relationships with some specific people, and they can also experience an increased sense of connection to others who suffer. An increased sense of one's own strength. If I live through that, I can live through anything. And Scarlett said it at the end. She, she said, I've lost a child. And, and she said it with a smile. Nothing worse can happen. I'm really clear about that, about my life. A greater appreciation for life in general. And I find this to be so true. You know, we just start to understand more and more just the deep preciousness of this life. I get lost about that a lot. And then these moments keep pulling us back to, yeah, the preciousness that is human relationship and that is God's relationship and holding of all of us. And next one, experiencing a deepening of our spiritual lives. However, this deepening can also involve a significant change in one's belief system. And there's nothing I think that we need to be afraid of there. You know, of course, faith moves. We look at religious faith, we look at spiritual faith, and it's so often that we confuse that with certainty, with having all the answers. Like, I'll finally have faith when I get all the answers. 
Yes or no? Does that work? (laughs) No. It's not about getting all the answers. It's about developing the eye of love. We can look out at the world with this eye of love and can see things in amazing, beautiful ways. Now, as we do that, as we try to choose love, her message was pretty simple, and I loved it for many reasons, one of which it fits in so well with how I understand the Christian message, which is that we can always choose love or fear. And it, either one of those will lead to a different thing. If I choose fearful, angry thoughts, it'll lead to a whole strand of thinking. If I choose loving thoughts, something far different. I love this quote from the new church. All truism, I have you say the L word there really loud. All true wisdom begins with All true wisdom begins with love. I want to stand over here for a minute and just talk about sort of what that what that means and what that can look like. All true wisdom begins with love. And there's a number of ways to hold that. That means that if that if if I'm starting out from fear, listen to this, folks. If I'm starting out from fear, from worry, from concern. Anything I think, I mean, think of this. Anything I think will be false. Just ontologically, it's false. It can't be true. Anything, though, that comes from love is true. That means that if I come from love, that all of a sudden a whole new form of wisdom shows up. If I'm a loving person, a whole new set of options show up that are just amazing. Mark, I'm going to use a story from Mark just to show you. Like Mark is in New Church Live Mark. Like Mark is in that gospel Mark. Mark went down after, after the service. He, he decided he was going to go down to the Wawa and he was going to pay for somebody's gas. That's how he got moved by Scott to pay for somebody's gas at Wawa. So he, so he pulls into Wawa and someone was, was waiting to get in gas. They got very upset because they had taken his, his space. Mark, did they swear? Just give a big shout out. Yes. There were, there were, there were several swear words exchanged. Now you see now, now right there, right there, if you start coming from fear and anger, if Mark did or any of us do, there's only a certain set of options we have. Only a certain set of things we can do. And they're not good. And they're not, they involve hand gestures, all kinds of stuff. But Mark went up to the guy and he said, look, I just want to pay for your gas. Did that ruin that guy's angry buzz for a minute? <laughs> totally. Mark, what did the guy say? Just shout it out. Yes. yes. <laughs> and thank you. Yes, and thank you. You see where we just have a totally different set of experiences there? Because when you come from love, all of a sudden, all these options open. If you're coming from fear and anger, I guarantee paying for the guy's gas is not going to show up as an appropriate option. I can promise you that. I think it's a matter of what we plug into. I had this experience myself this week. I was a little upset about something. It was just kind of rattling around in my head. When I'm upset about something, I like to put onto a podcast and listen to people who know more about life than I do. So I plug it into my phone. I grab my earbuds. I put in my earbuds. I'm trudging along. I got about halfway through my walk, and I realized I'd never pressed play on the podcast. This is why I had plugged so completely into my anger. And I was like, yeah, 
that sounds good. That sounds terrific. Wait a minute. That is so good. I'm going to, I got to get, yeah, I got to hear this in stereo. It's just so good. Is that nuts or what? Yet that's what we do, right? And I created this horrible loop that was just where, where my fears and anxieties and, and anger was just like looping back and forth. And I was loving every minute of it. That's called the delights of insanity. Plain and simple. The delights of insanity. Can we plug in, folks, to something far different? Can we really get that we get to choose each one of us in this room? God has given you freedom, greatest gift he's given you. And that freedom comes in many ways, shapes, and forms, and maybe one of the primary ones. Is can we choose love over fear? So, you know, how do we do this? Like, life is this cold and broken Hallelujah. We're trying to always hold, we're always faced with Scarlett Lewis in Texas. And we live somewhere in the middle. And how do we continue to choose love over fear in those minutes, in those moments? Knowing that, that if we don't, I mean, let me back up. Like part of me feels like, can I choose that? Can I do it? And then the other part of me thinks, what if I don't? What if I don't? What if I continue to make choices based around fear and anger and all those things? How do we do that? How do we do that? Because love is not, as the song says, it's not a victory march. The graph does not go up and to the right all the time. Life has these broken moments and these blessed moments. How do we navigate through those two? Well, you know, thinking about this service, I was thinking I want to really hone in on two things. One is a simple commitment, and the other one is doing the work. Commit and do the work. Can we say that together? Commit and do the work. That simple. Commit and do the work. So first off with that commitment, I want to read you just an amazing, spectacularly beautiful passage from 1 John 4. And, and this passage, is, it's, it's incredibly beautiful. And folks, when you, when you read this, it reads like poetry. And this was written 2,000 years ago in the Middle East, an area not known at that time or today for sort of being like the cradle of a view of a loving God. I mean, this is, this is every bit as countercultural today in any culture, as it was when it was written 2,000 years ago. And this is this line, some of you are, are familiar with this, probably a lot of you, this is the first time you've heard it, but I find it incredibly beautiful. It starts out with this. God is love. God is love. God is love. Simplest definition of God there is out there. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. In this way, love is made complete. And that word complete means really whole. 
It doesn't mean like completion, like the end of the journey. It's, it's this beautiful Jewish tradition of perfection, completion, tov, goodness. It deals with kind of a seasonal goodness. Made whole. Among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment, because in this world, we are like him. So if you want to be like God, be loving. There is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. Let's say those next five words, folks. This is really important. This is tattoo worthy here. Ready? Perfect love drives out fear. Perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. It's this beautiful, incredible, like there's such an amazing juxtaposition here. It's saying God is love. For a lot of people, the view they have of God, it's that P word right there. They think God is punishment. In some way, shape, or form, often we carry that. That God somehow punishes. But no, that's not what this is saying. You're saying God is love. And we can't have that view of God as punishment. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect or whole in love. In other words, the healing power of love can't get at us if we have sort of this fear-filled, punishing mentality in our lives. Punishment that oftentimes gets directed out and punishment that at times, complete the sentence for me, punishment that at times, please say it all together, that gets directed in. Do we all do that here? Right? Love can't work in those spaces. Love can't work in those spaces. It was interesting with Texas. I was listening to, to an article, listened to a bunch of, listening to a podcast, read a number of articles. And, and, and there was this article that was talking about how the vast majority of people who do events like that, believe it or not, are not mentally ill. Brings the question, well, then what's going on? Well, what this article said is, is what, what occurs is that they, they have a grudge and they harbor it over a long enough period of time that it moves from this, this thing that could be completely avoidable to this thing that can't. Because they've just, they've ruminated on a grudge for so long. And how do we not do that? You know, again, like very few people are going to take it to that extreme, obviously, thankfully. But I do get that, you know, pulling, pulling a grudge and just like loving it, loving it, loving it, constantly choosing that fear and that punishment and that anger and, and, and that, that hatred, constantly doing that, going back to those earbuds, constantly doing that and losing my way because of that. And what was interesting to me was this. So if, if, if we're asked to really remember perfect love drives out fear, whole love drives out fear, and wholeness of love, folks, again, I want to say perfect does not mean like, like chlorine bleach. It deals with a seasonal perfection. If I can understand love in its seasonality, that that's what will drive out fear. Just th- think about that. Let that sink in. If I hold love in its seasonality, Allow that into my heart. That is what in the end will drive out fear. Beautiful stuff. I was thinking, you know, again, coming off of last week, in case you didn't notice, I was really impressed with Scarlett, by the way. 
you know, coming off of last week, we go through the Q&A, then we, then we run out to lunch, and, and it, every time it got a little better. You know, it was another slice of it for me, another layer of understanding things more. And one of the things I wondered about, we, we've had so many incredible speakers here at New Church Live, Kevin Hines, Eva Kaur, uh, Frank Mink. I mean, the list goes, Angela Radcliffe, like the list goes on and on. And these people just have offered tremendous gifts to this congregation. And all those people sort of have this extra gear. And I love kind of listening to them and trying to hear what that extra gear is. And we were all sitting around chatting. This was us at the Q&A session. Chuck on the far right did not want his picture taken. Um, yes, you can laugh at that. So, so uh, you know, we're, we're, we're doing the Q&A here. We're, we're chatting with people. We're hearing different things. And, and then she talked about a moment where, where life had just kind of like bottomed out for her. And it was, it was really, really significant what she said. She said, life bottomed out. She said, I just wanted to disintegrate. If I could have just let my body fall apart and literally be absorbed into the earth at that moment, I would have been fine with it. I imagine a lot of you have had that moment, right? Where just, where it's just, it's just too much and you're just ready to go. And she said, at that moment, what happened is at that moment, her life flashes before her eyes. God gave her a vision of her life. And what she realized was that every decision she had made up to that point, she made on the basis of fear. I mean, just think about that just for a minute. Like picture all the decisions in your life and picture how many of them you've made based according to fear. Again, I think prudence is different from fear. But you think of how many decisions we make on fear on a constant, constant basis. And so what she said is she said, you know what? I'm going to make a simple commitment. And this was the commitment. It's a commitment I think we all need to talk about. I will make no more decisions based on fear. Imagine folks like your life if you make just that simple commitment. Just even for today. I will make no more decisions based on fear. I don't know where that leads. It may lead you down to the Wawa right after this to pay for someone's gas. I don't know. But I think there is something to that. There's great freedom there when I move away from that. So if I make that commitment, I'm not going to make commitments based on fear. Prudence, yes. But I'm going to try to make them on love. And then I get to start to do in the work that's where things can really shift. I have this beautiful line. This goes back about 4,000 years ago. This is from the Old Testament, this old, old line from the Bible. And I think it's just a beautiful set of words to live by. King David said to Solomon, his son, I'm going to have you say the strong word there, really strong. Be, be strong and courageous and do the work. I love that. Be strong, be courageous, do the work. Be strong be courageous, do the work. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. The context of this, folks, is a father talking to his son to get his son to carry on the legacy he felt God was giving them. And what if we just focused on those very simple words? I'm going to work as hard as I can to be strong. 
to be courageous, to do the work. And what I want to push aside, I want to push aside discouragement. I want to push aside any idea of fear. Knowing the perfect love drives out fear. Now, can we do that in life? Obviously, we can. Obviously, we can. And I was looking around, searching for a video that could, that could kind of drive this point home. I found this video. This is actually from a couple of months ago. It's a beautiful one about somebody, somebody offering commentary looking back at all the floods in Houston. And I want you to pay particular attention to the very last scene of a water rescue of an elderly gentleman in a pickup truck. So take a look at this video. Nations are approaching a quarter of a billion dollars, and we end the week with Steve Hartman's thoughts about the spirit of America. This week, we saw what trillions of gallons of water can cover. But more importantly, we saw what it can uncover, our potential as a nation. I know it seems like eons ago, but remember what was in the news before this? Remember when nothing was more important in America than the fate of a Confederate statue. We were literally at each other's throats over race, religion, immigration, and of course, politics. And then Harvey came and pounded us with perspective. When the roof over your head becomes the floor beneath your feet, no one cares about the color or creed of his rescuer. No one passes judgment because a hero's boat is too big or his means are too meager. No one says, Thanks for the rope, but I'd rather wait for someone more like me. Thank you, I appreciate it. And later, when they find themselves on the business end of a dump truck with nothing but the soggy shirt on their backs, I'm guessing no one ever thinks he's better than the person suffering next to him. A lot of people in Texas and Louisiana lost everything, but they are rich with perspective tonight and blessed with a new and priceless appreciation of their community. If everyone did this, we'd have a lot less to worry about. From the start of the storm, the volunteer rescuers were Harvey's silver lining. They risked their lives. Some even lost their lives in service to their neighbors. Continue helping people. We're going to go save some more lives, help some more people. This guy spoke for many. Spirit of Texas, that's what it's all about. But I do take slight issue with that last part. I think most Americans are heroes, just waiting for their moment. And if Harvey taught us anything... It's to be grateful for every last one of them. Which brings me to this rescue in Houston. These people were trying to save someone from a sinking car. Go, 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 go. I don't know who these folks are, but I do know this. If you took out a Christian, took out a Democrat, an immigrant, a Republican, Muslim, or Jew, remove any link in this brave chain of Americans, the whole group is adrift and a piece of humanity is lost. In this case, the chain held. When Mother Nature is at its worst, human nature is at its best. The challenge will be, as the floodwaters recede, will we still be able to love at these same record levels? Steve Hartman, CBS News, New York.
Boy, powerful, right? Does the chain hold? Can we create a world that does that? And the obvious answer is yes, we can. I'll leave you with this. Another one of those pieces that really fascinated me about last week. It was interesting that Scarlet Scarlet started out saying the first thing of choosing love is courage. Isn't that interesting? Courage. Those of you who've heard me preach before, the word courage goes back to the Latin core, heart, age, like hermitage, pilgrimage. that deals with where you live. Courage is where your heart lives. I love this quote by Maya Angelou. I use it a lot. Courage is the most important of all the virtues because without courage, you can't practice any other virtue consistently. It takes courage to really choose love. It takes courage individually. It takes courage for us as a church. It takes courage for us as a community. It's very easy in this day and age, folks, to, I think, hold the institutions that we're part of, to hold the groups that we're part of, and to hold it from a place of enjoyment, granted, but a place where we're not necessarily stepping into the courage, not necessarily stepping into the work. That's what I want to put out there. What if, what if we really have the courage? What if we really have the courage to step into this work of choosing love? In all the ways, shapes, and forms that that can be, what if? What if we do, and what if we don't? And I like to think that what if we do, and, and, and that should be so incredibly exciting because, again, imagine a group that has all this. Imagine a place that's just filled with courage, gratitude, forgiveness, and compassion in action, which is something I'm blessed to see all the time, all the time with this amazing group of people. Maybe we can just continue to make that choice. I think maybe we know we're making that choice when we feel the need for courage. In this weird way, maybe that's the symbol that we've pushed ourselves far enough to actually start to make that choice in a real way, in a healing way, between love and fear. Let's choose love. Amen. I'm now going to offer a final prayer. Then you'll have the opportunity to have a moment of quiet reflection to say your own prayer, the Lord's prayer as you know it. But before I do that, I would like our guest singers to just stand up for a quick minute. And if we could just give them a final round of thanks, just to thank these folks for what they offered us today. Thank you. And now please join me in a prayer. So Lord, help us to choose love, to deeply choose it. And in choosing love, to choose the courage that it takes 
for us to be part of that chain. The courage that it takes to choose consistently love over fear. The courage that it takes to forgive those who've hurt us and to forgive our own shortcomings. The courage that it takes to be grateful and the courage that it takes to act. Be with us, Lord. Help us in those choices. Stir somewhere in our hearts a desire to join you in moving forward that healing endeavor of love. A love that heals the world. Thank you, Lord, for this amazing congregation. Thank you for the amazing people that we get to share life with. And thank you for your gentle holding of it all. In your name, we pray. Amen. listening you can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv 